takes it out towards the big rock. When Thomas was in the front spot that time, ball hits the deck, handball over the top, Martin. He couldn't quite trap it, but had the skill to go after it again. Make that three. Make that three, you little beauty. He's a superstar, Kyle Martin. And he slammed through his first on the bending over. Bruce Avery's grass. Who's going to claim the ball? It's just falling out of hand. Now, can we have a shot at goal? It's against Smythe. It's Smythe. He's picked it up, and he's just put it on the left. Champions are emerging. Finals races are heating up. There's a bag of 13 and a couple of close ones in between. One Turner South have come from behind to keep their hopes alive. Ringwood flex their muscles with a big win over the Basin. Waverley and Sylvan send a massive message in Division 3 and Division 4. And Blackburn have opened things right up in the Premier Division. Welcome to the Eastland Monday Recovery. With the A-Team, it's Matthew Fodia, Wayne Brasher, Ray Baird and Gavin Casey. Gentlemen, been a long time since these uh, four old heads have been in a room together, but it's uh, a, a good time to do it with a, a big round of action yesterday, Brush. Yeah, it was, and I uh, had the pleasure of uh, going up to uh, Vermont yesterday and watching the contest uh, between Vermont and Blackburn. But, uh, Ray, it was a weekend where we thought there was some um, a really uh, re- really good matchups, but in the end it was a bit of disappointment too. Yeah, it was, Brash, but uh, another on the other side of it, yeah, the weather was great for it football. Was, it, yeah, it was, was beautiful, wasn't it? And I was out at Berwick, and what a huge crowd out there. It was it was huge. It's good to see uh, local football live and well, because there was a fair crowd yesterday as well, Gav. Mm. Well, I think, uh, as I always say, the AFL only having six games. Yeah, you up might, might not be involved this no. weekend, so... It, in a way, if the AFL are they're not normally might, like this. Or your side might not your side might be no good, mate. Well, <laughs> yeah. not your side. Maybe no, they're, they're coming good, my side, actually, I hope. Uh, but if you can get a weekend where you don't, you're not distracted by anything, there's no long weekend, you've got... The you sun know, was out. Yeah, there's things that can... Um, it all parallels to, I'll go see my local side this weekend. So, And I think people are realising the uh, pecking order now. Absolutely. We've got through all this mix of Easter, late starts, Easter... Um, Queen's birthday. I reckon we just turned the corner of it's on now. We know where people are at yep. and they're all trying to jockey for positions Ab- now. Absolutely. Well, let's jump straight into Premier Division and, and a couple of weeks ago we thought the top six might be set but Blackburn's performance yesterday has uh, turned that on its head a little bit. It's opened it right up for not only themselves but also Norwood and Park Orchards. We'll get to the context of that in a second but the Burners, they love going to Vermont trying to knock them off. They hadn't done it in five attempts that they got that win yesterday there. They rolled them by t- uh, 10 points in the end but from all reports probably should have been further ahead especially after a four goal to two second quarter. Uh, best players, Rough's Edge, Murphy and Hinkley. Liam Murphy's in some fine form for Blackburn. And then Lockie Johns, Connor McCafferty and Tim Johnson, some old heads in the best for Vermont. Brendan Allen is on the line. Brendan, uh, you must be really, really proud of your boys, mate, because after a, probably a, a pretty tough opening fortnight, you guys have steadied really well and, and look like you're playing your best footy. Yeah, it, it was good. It's always good to travel down there and uh, get the points. Haven't happened since 2018, but um, but no, we, 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 we've steadied a little bit and We've got a young team and um, they're starting to really grow and believe uh, that they belong at the level and uh, we're starting to see the results of it, which is great. Your last two results have been a pretty similar scoreline against uh, Vermont and Norwood. Is that something that you guys have sort of adjusted to or is that just the way it's uh, panned out? I think it's just the way it's panned out. We we got a little bit of a touch-up against East Doncaster, um, albeit we had, I think it was 12 changes in 24 hours with flu and COVID and all sorts of things, so we're... We're a little bit, uh, well, well, undermanned. It's probably an understatement for that game, but we've, we've steadied the ship well. We've got a clean bill of health now, and um, as we're playing some exciting kids, and uh, they're standing up and, and really showing us what they can do. 
Yeah, great, uh, great game that was yesterday, Brendan. One of the couple of points that I thought uh, that stood you apart yesterday from uh, from Vermont was the fact that your ball transition from uh, back to your forward fifty was a lot more cleaner and more clinical than what Vermont's was. But I also I also felt that you outrun them and, and outmarked them around the ground through throughout most of the uh, the contest. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think um, that's something we've really been working on is, is our ball movement um, and the, not just being predictable with our ball movement, taking what the opposition give us. Um, and we've, we've, we've sort of got some uh, different different styles depending on how the opposition set up. So we're, we're becoming really hard to play on from that sense. But uh, but yeah, some of the some of the ball transition and marking yesterday was was really pleasing to see. Um, kid down back. His brother's probably going to go top three pick, but uh, we're quite happy to have uh, Chrissy Sardis with us at the moment. He's uh, really turned it on. Uh, he's probably one of the best young kids in the comp at the moment, I reckon. There's a couple of young guys that I'd like to uh, to mention too, um, and I think they've been very good players. And I, I watched this young man against uh, Baldwin, and he, he just started to you know, find his feet, but I was really impressed with Oglethorpe yesterday. I, I, I thought that he, he really attacked the contest, but I also was equally impressed with uh, Lockie Bajaya around the ground. Um, I've seen him a couple of times this season, and uh, he really, um, he's really seems to be improving week on week. Yeah, it's a, it's a big credit to Locke. He probably dropped four or five kilos over pre-season and, and did a power of work on his running. He's, um, his best mate is Xavier O'Neill, who's a, a Blackie junior. He's obviously over at West Coast at the moment, and they, they uh, pretty much teamed up over the summer and did a, did a heap of training together, and uh, Locke's reaping the benefits of that. And, uh, yeah, young Chuck, he's... Uh, he's He's going to be a cold figure at Blackburn. Um, his, his boss must be a good bloke, I'll tell you that for sure. <laughs> but uh, he's, he's, he, he did turn it on yesterday, and he's just as hard as a cat's head. Yeah, yeah. So he just doesn't jerk a contest. So um, there's some, some real exciting kids, uh, exciting kids coming through down there at the moment. Brendan, congratulations on the last two weeks, mate. Look, early in the season, as we've all discussed, you know, you started off very slowly, some very tough marquee games early on. But what was the feeling around the club? Did you did the players always have the belief, and did you have the belief in them that you know you can t- you could turn it around? When we when we reviewed those early games, the sort of South Croydon was pretty much five minutes of footy in late in the third, where they just went whack with five goals, kinging out of centre. Besides that, I thought we played pretty well majority of the day. Um, and then to, to get a draw against Berwick, and then uh, we, we probably should have beaten Noble Park. We had nine set shots, I think, from about 30 out and missed all of them. Um, if, if you win those games, particularly Berwick and Noble Park, I think we, we pretty much just hit second or third. So the belief has always been there. We just had to tidy up some, some crucial phases of the game that were really hurting us and, and costing us four points. I look at the the final six this year, and that that's a, going to be a, a bonus for you for the side. You know, trying to get into the final for that sixth position. But you know, you spoke about the the, uh, the draw with Berwick. But I mean, with your percentage, the other sides that are uh, vying for a spot in the six with you, uh, you have much superior percentage than you have got. But you've also got that that uh, buy those extra couple of points where that could be you know a big benefit. Pretty much, it's the old saying. The draws are so hollow, a feeling afterwards. But uh, the first thing everyone says, percentage doesn't matter anymore. So, 
Um, we we do not well. We don't have a great percentage, um, and look, we we haven't scored over a hundred points all year. Uh, but what we are doing is really locking sides out and being really hard to score against. So um, if we can keep that up, hopefully the uh, the other side of the coin um, starts to, to right the ship in, in that we can uh, start kicking 16 goals a game and, and hitting that 100-point mark. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up a couple of um, points there with uh, scoring, missing set shots, trying to get the higher scores. It's the fact that uh, Blackburn so far have only got one goal kicker um, beyond 10, at 10 or more. Is that a point of concern or is there something where there's going to be a crescendo where the forward line's going to gel? Is it a personnel thing, a systems-based thing, or those missed opportunities have just been haunting you this year? Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> you take out uh, one of the best forwards in the comp and it takes some readjusting, uh, especially when guys have been able to put it on uh, Jake Hammond's head for five or six years and, and know he's going to either mark it or, or halve the contest. Um, we've had to change the way we play, and um, we're we're a little bit uh, more dimensional now than what we've ever been um, with our goal kickers. There's always an even spread. Our mids are starting to kick goals, um, which is which is what we want. Um, but yeah, yesterday you saw uh, obviously Blake Talon Doris play, kicked a couple of goals. He's, he's only nine, uh, only twenty, um, and then you had the the general up there in Bath. Um, Shuffling the, the troops around, and, and we, if we're getting an even spread, it, we're we're really hard to match up on. So that's the, we're, we're not too fussed at the moment about it. It's it's interesting when we look at these results being the the curb of round seven to round nine. This is the repeat of your run home, and the fact that you might be needing a round eighteen result against Vermont. So it, it's tantalising in that point, but it actually now it comes back to where you struggled early in your in the year, those sides that got a, you know, got you on the day, you've got Roval, you've got Baldwin, you've got those hard games in the next three weeks. Is this the pivotal part of the season where you can make ground and get a finals momentum going? Uh, I think we've been, well, the last two weeks we've sort of been looking at them as, as mini finals. If we if we drop the Norwood game, we're, we're clearly out of touch of the, the six. And then yesterday, um, Vermont just being above us, um, we dropped that game where we're probably back in the pack as well. So um, every every game from now on is is equally as important. Um, I suppose with the the draw being a little bit lopsided, but given that we've got the twelve teams in the comp, you've actually got to beat the teams that you play once. So Roval's one of them, um, and then uh, obviously we've got North Ringwood in the next couple of weeks as well. We we only play once, so they're, they're danger games. We've got to get them done. Um, but yeah, we can't look too far ahead. Especially, obviously, with our results, we've been a little bit up and down. Um, <laughs> we don't want to get ourselves too far. We're not in the six, that's, and that's reality. We've still got a lot of work to do. Well, Brendan, you've uh, not only done yourselves a favour by uh, yeah, lighting up the, the, the top six race and, and bringing yourself to win half a game of Donnie S and Vermin, but you've given uh, some other sides a favour too. So I'm sure Dennis Armfield and Marty Pass could be uh, sending you a six-pack or, or maybe a, a, a box of lettuces the way they're going up in price. Uh, so thank you for that, mate. But we thank you for joining us on the Monday Recovery and uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday and uh, hopefully we'll see you um, in the back end of the year. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it.
Brendan Allen there, Blackburn senior coach, and pretty happy with uh, his club's work in, in recent times, Brash. And to be honest, you've got to give it to them because after that first fortnight, like Ray alluded to, that we saw them, we, we didn't give them any hope of being near where they are. No, and it, the one there was the other thing that came out in that is um, is the fact that uh, that game against Park Orchards, and we're talking about percentage, right? That that was a that was a that was a night game, and I'm put it this way, I I'm not a rap for him. Because I reckon you're talking about percentage and my figures show that it actually costs sides percentage because the game's played in different conditions. You could argue, though, that Park Orchards uh, would have benefited from being a day game because they're probably a slightly more aggressive unit. That yeah, would be an argument. But I'm, I'm just saying, for me personally, I, I think it's a different ball game playing night and I just don't think the percentage is there sometimes for the sides that win uh, and that's that's about where I stand with that. But however, Matt, I just um, all the all the all the accolades go to Blackburn yesterday. Just a few observation points on on Vermont. Uh, young side still still trying to find their way. They've got one of the things that that, that they need to improve on is the way that they use the ball around around the ground. Uh, the handball. They handball to their star players or kick the ball to their star players in not much advantageous positions. Uh, and also to the, the smarts, and this only comes with playing um, uh, Premier League football, you, you just got to learn to know when you have to go. Um, they were some of the things I pointed out yesterday. They got injuries. They've lost uh, James Ross again for a, uh, a second hamstring, so that could be a four to six week. Gav, I just want to ask you a question. Seeing the game live, Brendan yep. was talking about midfield getting goals and then becoming much more dominant. I've always known Blackburn to be dominant around the contest. What I saw so in, yep. against Baldwin was a bit rough around the edges, kicking forward. Has that? Being cleaned up, are yeah, they much I, more efficient? And- yeah, I thought they were a lot more efficient yesterday. They definitely won the the set of clearances. Vermont really struggled to to win clearances around the ground. I thought Blackburn majority of the day controlled the stoppages. I think the other thing is too, um, the good sides know how to take the opposition's best players out of the contest, and and Blackburn did the. Um, Whilst uh, Johns was and and Robbie Ross were exceptional, they didn't have the influence on the contest that Vermont needed to them. But that was because Brendan Allen had, had put some very had put some very very quality players on those two players, um, you know, to nullify their influence on the contest. Brash, there's one point you brought up there, and you mentioned about Vermont being a young side, and I think that they, and I spoke to Ben Wise after the game down at uh, Berwick yesterday, and he Roval had. Uh, 17 players under 23 in that side yesterday and I just think that this is a thing that's come out of COVID I think right across all the divisions all the sides are much younger than what they used to be because the clubs have realised that they've got to play the kids they're the future right, and well, some, of them, some of them have yeah. had their hands forced as well because yeah. you see a lot of clubs with young senior sides are no under 19s which shows that there is a, a gap yeah. obviously in the cycle exactly however, however though gentlemen what was mentioned to me yesterday and I think a lot of the clubs seem to think that, Matt, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there's a review of the salary cap at the end of the uh, season. I think it's been – I'm not in those uh, no, <laughs> no, between no. these, but I think, yeah, I think it's being raised. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. think they're talking about the salary cap going back to 150000 and I Yeah, I don't know what the number is, no. but to be honest, personally – Well, it's 100000 Yeah, now. personally, that's for Premier, so, and yeah, then it's yeah. down by about 20s yeah. if you go down. But personally, I wouldn't – I don't want it. 
No, I don't. No. I agree. Oh, I don't, there's no need. To. Maybe well, maybe a percentage with inflation, or I don't know. You can get an economist to figure all that out, Gav. But yeah. personally, I, I welcome this. But how do you this, get this how do you move. get the guy that's staying home in the country now, or people who won't move? Yeah, but, because we're, of but security we're thinking jobs. from our point of view. Yeah, if you're living in Garfield. Why? How? How are we to say that you should come play for Vermont if you'd live in Garfield back but in somewhere. the day when Ray played? You played where you were, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, but exactly. that was in the, the rest. You know, I know the depression years. I know it was black and white, know, black but... and white TV and horse and cart. You couldn't get out to Vermont, but no. But like, I, I, I think why, why can't we horse go back? Cart. Yeah. Why can't why can't you go back to the part where you you play within your area? If you want to travel, you can travel. But yeah. I don't think we should all of a sudden say that we have a right to take players from different regions, get them to travel no, no. x amount of time no. just because we're more. You say that, but what's the growth Over the long journey, I think the whole competition is going to be better if, Mm. as as it is now, all the teams are playing the young kids. That's the future of the competition. I I said at the end of the 2019, I spoke, I actually mentioned to to both you guys that I was really concerned about how the way, how the the player payments and the... It was getting out of hand. was was getting out of control and that a lot of clubs were selling their soul to the devil just to win a local flag. And And then the problem problem is, Brash, is there's there's only only one of the flags and a lot of clubs were spending a lot of money to not win it. Not win a flag. Uh, So I think think overall... Um, I think it'll probably go up, but I don't think it'll go up massively. No, just yeah. the one division, though, but the I, Premier Division. No, I assume, I assume if one goes up, everyone yeah, goes oh, up. Okay. Uh, with in, it, it would go up. Um, in, terms, yeah. in terms of uh, in diver, in t- terms of the teams that are currently with their sides on the park, I think it's really good for football that you know there is still some in Premier Division as well. The under nineteen competition is incredibly tight, yeah. and I think you can see that Berwick are probably the only outlier in terms of their seniors aren't in the top six, but their nineteens are. Everyone yep. else, I think it's Roville, Noble Park, Baldwin, Vermont. Yeah. Um, their under nineteens are all around the, the top end of it. So South Corns are in Division Two, but. Yeah. Um, that's probably been well, something. That's, but yeah, anyway, but we need to move on because yeah, we've right. already gone close to 20 minutes. We've only done <laughs> one game. Sorry. <laughs> but we'll move on to Doncaster East and Baldwin. So Baldwin's 19s, in terms of talking about 19s, the fact that, what was it, three years ago, they wouldn't have even, they would have laughed or scoffed at the fact that they have them, um, let alone competing for a final spot there. But they got a good win yesterday, Ray, um, after pretty much getting trounced by Noble Park the week before. I think that, their result probably flattered them in the end. Noble Park took the foot off the gas. But um, it says here that Baldwin didn't score in the first quarter and then kicked 11-3. No, I'm a bit sceptical of that. No, I did check the score. They kicked five goals, three. <laughs> okay, I was going to I was gonna say that. that was, yeah, I'm very sceptical okay. of that one. But um, a massive second quarter nonetheless, six goals to four. Um, and then pretty much they carried on from there. 20-point uh, winners. It's a big win for them because the loser, like I said, would have been back with Vermont only half a game in the six. Yeah. Um, and Baldwin now jump into third. They've got the best percentage in the division. Um, they're in a pretty good spot, Baldwin, for all their foibles. Uh, yeah, but Baldwin are in a very good spot. You, you, you can never write them off. But uh, on the other hand, I, I find it hard to take a, a, a look at Doncaster East. You know, one week they come out here and they're world beaters, and the next week they put in yeah. some very the worrying things for me, Gav, is that yeah. uh, and the, the best players this week are the big guns. Yeah, so Clark, yeah. Shalakas, Deluca, Feel, and Appleby, and Mitch Ryan, who's a young fella. So you take out Ryan and and even Shalakas to an extent. They're the big four. So obviously they're big guns fired. Yeah, but yeah. they still couldn't get the job done against Baldwin. Well, what you talk about there is depth, yeah, I think. Yeah. And, you know, they have focused on getting stars into their lineup and they play a very intense game. So they need foot soldiers, but are the next level of foot soldiers. It'd be uh, interesting to watch the highlights of how Baldwin beat them too. Yeah. Given given Noble Park harassed Baldwin off the park last week, whether they, yeah. whether Doncaster weren't able to bring that or whether Baldwin have 
have learnt from it. Yeah. So they'll put up – it's flu season. They they weren't on the game, and that can happen because Baldwin's not going to let you have a bad day no, and no, get away no, with no, it. No. So let's let's give them an out on that. They can have an off day against Baldwin, and you get oh, chopped up. It was up. only 20 points. Yeah. Like, if this was a prelim final, and by the looks of it, it was game on at every every stage. There wasn't really – there was probably the second quarter where Baldwin really kicked away. To an extent, and then other than that, yeah. It's but a, let's contrast the styles, Brash. Sorry, to, I'll give, right. hand it over to you. Is is that Donny East the great around the contest? They like to go quick on, at spurts, but Baldwin's just going to go come at us, come at us. We'll soak you up. We'll wait yeah, for your error. They did, did counter attack last week, didn't they, Baldwin? Mm. Um, against Noble, it just didn't work. <laughs> no, it didn't. And the thing is, Gav, um, Doncaster East are the sort of side basically asks the question of their opposition every week, you better be playing in attack mode because that's how they play. They want to attack they want to keep they want to keep everything rolling. They're not that defensive minded. I think they're a more attack minded side. Well their 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 idea of defence is making sure they've got the ball. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And I, I just think that plays right into Baldwin's hands because Baldwin they love the freewheel rate. When they get when they go when they're on a roll, right? They like they, a shootout. Yeah, yeah, and they can kick. They can put two, three, four goals together, but equally, they're not afraid because they back their own their own judgments and their ability to just ride those mini storms out when the opposition have got their turn in the sun. And I think Donny East like the, the shootout because their home ground is a ground where you can shoot out and, yeah. can, and oh, score you can, ground you can, goals um, very you can, quickly. You could arguably take the wings off at Zerbys and <laughs> forward, right. to be yeah, fair. Exactly. And there's a few grounds in Premier Division you could take the wings out, but then at Berwick you could probably add in a couple other positions. We'll move on to South Croydon and Noel Park. So it was the first game at Cheong. Um, and Noel Park seemed to, as much as Rovell are still on top of the ladder, Ray, it seems like Noel Park is starting to hit some really good form and they've emerged as the number one seed purely because Rovell are so Without young. Without a doubt. Without um, a doubt. But, yeah, speaking to a lot of people from clubs and, yeah, and having yeah. watched Noel last week, you know, they kicked seven – they had 12 scoring shots to six in the first half uh, – first quarter, sorry. They were up by, you know, about 50 points at halftime and then just cruise control. Cole Martin kicked four and no doubt had about 60 touches. Um yeah, no, didn't no, play yesterday. Yeah, Sketcher didn't play with uh, the flu. So South Croydon have, uh, sorry, Noel Park went to a side like South Croydon and have smacked them off the park after smacking Bourne off the park. They're, they're really uh, hitting their straps and probably, yeah, like I said, they're the number one seed despite Roval being on top. Oh, look, without a doubt, and I think most people at Roval, you know, if they're honest, they will they will agree with that totally because you've got to look at the results, you know. Roval, they've been winning games, but yeah, the, some of the games at Noble Park have won, they've smashed the Well, they've smacked, smacked you know. Vermont, smacked South Croydon, and smacked that's Baldwin. Right. Yeah, that's right. You know. Is this a rude awakening, Gav, you being a South Croydon supporter? Do you reckon this is a rude awakening for them? <laughs> He's pulled up the veil. <laughs> <laughs> I like him, but that's... They share an iconic uh, yes, uh, mascot. Yes, you, you two are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, with, uh, I do like South Croydon. I've found the times that I've seen them, they've been a bit chaotic going forward. I'm not sure. They're, they're, they're a surge team. Like Brendan yes. alluded to, like that Anzac Day game, they, they won it in a quarter. Yeah. Um, and I, I think they, they do that. Even Park Orchard's game, they kicked eight goals to none. And then and then hold on. So they're a surge team, and you, yeah. it's pretty hard to surge against Noble. They're great in transition. I think Wilson um, doesn't not a lone hand, but every now and again you'd like more than one or two around him. They want an extra. I think they want an extra ruckman because they want to play Max King down That's there right. too. Yeah. yeah, but they can't because they did it Anzac Day. They played Max King That's down right. there, and he kicked a couple of goals, and then yeah. Marcus Bazaglo sort of kept him there because that's where they want him to play. Yeah. And then it sort of got – then Blackburn got it back to level and yeah. it was like, oh, shit, we've got to put him back yeah. in the ruck. They, yeah. they had Zach Munker signed before COVID and then he went back to Wurialik. And I think if they got him, 
yeah, we'd see a different. They're still looking for that ruckman. They signed Adam Swizbolek, but he's at Coburg. So, yeah. the, oh. my, my opinion on South Croydon is that if if you put them up against the other, say, top four sides in the competition, I think their weakness is well, they the, the they, bottom six in their list. Yeah, their bottom I agree. six aren't as good as the other top four so bottom six. So they've gone down to Roville. Yes, Noble. Yeah, I don't think they've played Baldwin yet. And they've gone down to Donny East yeah, yeah, and they've beaten yeah, Vermont. So it looks yeah, like yeah. Vermont are clearly closer to yeah, the bottom yeah, of that yeah. end and then there's those yeah. five teams. And, and yeah. you're right, South Carolina have a horrible the, record All those them. top four, their top ten players are all pretty well equal, yep. some a little bit better. But you look at the other six or seven, I think that's where South Croydon are. And that's where Noble are really strong, aren't they, Brash? Because there's some players yeah. on that list <laughs> that we saw last week. You know, Ben Marston isn't really a household name, but he's kicking, you know, three to four goals a game. Yeah. Um, obviously, Ziggy Orwin, Shane Allen are now older. So they're actually role players, but they're bloody good role players. Yes. Kevin Keane, Josh Tua, um, a defender who, to be honest, before we went out to Bullring last week, I had no idea who he was. But talking yeah. to Steve Hughes and Tyler Lewis, he has he doesn't lose, and he and he had a really good game against Charlie Hayley last with week. With what Ray was saying about, uh, t- t- I agree with that. The top three or four sides have probably got 10, 10 really good players yeah. on a week, where four, fifth, and six have got about seven. I reckon yeah. there's, the, and then the, the bottom end is yeah, where the bottom end falls away. Yeah, That's it right. does. Uh, so let's talk about the other games that probably didn't have as much. Uh, connotation around them. Uh, so Nord and North Ringwood, we expected Nord to win, and they did win. North Ringwood came out of the blocks a little quarter time, and then just only three goals to twelve after that. Uh, Blake Pearson kicked three, and I just had a look at the stats. He had thirty-five touches to go with those three, so good form you, from the Chandler medalists. Do you um, think, Maddie, that uh, even though they got, I'll the open win? up the discussion, uh, Brash, because I'll roll through the other results right. before. Else we'll be here till the. the uh, uh, so Doncaster <laughs> and Park Orchards went dead to head. It was attack versus defence. Um, attack one. 94 to 46. Connor Hickey, three goals. Ryan Wilson, best on ground. Jack Mard, two goals. And, and in the best plays for Doncaster. And then the final game that Ray was at, Rover won by 30 points in. Jake Arundel kicked four, so they'll be happy to see him back. Uh, Nick Hillard, best on for, for Berwick. Berwick don't have Harry Money for the rest of the year. That, He's that done his ACL. Result, Matty, they're flattered Rover. They yes, kicked the last yes. three goals of the game. They're always about 10 points to two goals. And that's in happened front. to Berwick about three times this year. So South yeah. in Vermont, and now Rover. The yeah. game's been close with 10 minutes to go, yeah, and then yeah. other sides will them over the line. Back to your discussion about Nord and Park Orchards and so on. Yep. They'll be happy Blackburn won because they're now only a game out of the top six and with a much better percentage than Blackburn. Obviously, as Brennan alluded to, the draw means percentage doesn't really matter for them. But, um, yeah, do you think? Do we think they've got enough to make it? Well, I was the question I was going to ask you, even though they won by 46 points, do you think Norwood missed an opportunity for a bit more percentage uh, a, a little bit. So Lachlan Dixon and Nick Evans from South Croydon uh, are overseas at the moment, so they're He's a he's a key part of their game. We know that we know they struggle for goals, Norwood. Yeah. Um. So they might be changing their focus, much like Blackburn have that Brennan alluded to, to maybe sort of focusing on on winning games eighty to forty rather than one hundred and ten to eighty because they won't be able to kick. They won't be able to beat the sides like Noble Park by playing that style, Ray. So maybe maybe over the bye they figured out we have to change the way we approach it. I think uh, we'll put it this way, Ray Park Orchards and Doncaster. Well, probably the result went as expected. Doncaster have shown some um, encouraging form in the last month. Uh, you know, they've, they've notched up a couple of wins. Yeah, um, they're, they're on three wins. Yeah, so, you know, look, I think that, um, you know, I think Park Orchards are probably one of the sides that are still in fighting for six spot. Oh, they're, they're still in the mix without a doubt, Brash, but I think that going forward, I think that they really need to, look, at the end of the year, they've got to look at their list. They've got to include probably two more really good players into that side to be yeah. a real challenge. I think Park year. Orchard's okay Gav, because they come up. It, yeah. it was hard for them to get a gauge on where they're at. I was, yeah. always, I was always confident they'd stay up, but 
they'll be sort of looking at it because they've had games, obviously, the Norwood game we watched, they probably should have won and, and didn't. They've had other games, like I know Roeville, they were always in the game. Always in the game uh, yeah. There was uh, games earlier on the year that South Croydon, even Vermont, where they've been done by straight kicking. They honestly, mm. I think a few of their players are a bit annoyed at themselves because if they'd actually finished those jobs, they could be well entrenched. Yeah. I the think they, they lack a <laughs> yeah. key goal kicker. I a lot of sides it. do. And when we get to Division yeah. 1, I'm going to say that there's, right. a, there's a player in that division that they should be all be throwing money at. I know I just said that I don't <laughs> like money in football, but just a quick comment, though. I've seen premierships won by Division 1 sides back in the day, and they come up, and just I don't know... Bayswater was a prime example. But there's there's teams like North Ringwood, um, Donny, South Croyd, and they win early. And I don't know if it's been taken lightly, don't know who they are, but the energy early in the season gets them enough bankable wins to stay up. And then everyone goes, oh, we'll take either – it shouldn't be this. We take him seriously second time, or we've had a we've had a look. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so yeah, it happens, right. and I don't know if Park Orchards fit into that mold where it's like, oh, we know who those, you are now. They didn't. The only win they pinched was Baldwin, unfortunately, but they have been close to Vermont and South Korea, and You're right. So, I think I think they're a lot better. Like their um, age profile is perfect to come up because yeah. none of their players are old. No, no. Armfield and Everett are their only yeah. two old blocks, and they both played AFL footy. So, yeah. um, just. Yeah. But, Dad, just on your question, I think that why clubs come up and were very successful early on was because of the way to draw. You know, they only played the, the yeah, top right. sides once, mm. you know. And you look at all – and probably Roval are probably one of the only ones that – and South Croydon, the only – that really stayed there. So, Montrose yeah, they don't up. make yeah. a top First five. Year, they have they, a good Montrose start. made and the finals. Doncaster made two finals in a row and yeah. then have come back yeah. to the you pack. You look at Montrose, they made the first year up, they made finals. But then when they got to the uh, better draw the next year, they, they dropped yeah, it's right the second out. Year Blues, isn't it? That's yeah, right. and that's that, right. and well, that's and Roval are probably benefiting from the fact that they struggled last year because they'll. I don't. I haven't looked closely at their fixture, but I'm tipping they don't have to play a lot of those top six again. No, no, they'll, no. they'll play definitely play Noble again, yeah, but that Noble might be it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know if he's actually retired or or he's not playing, but a goal kicker that um, that Park Orchards had who hasn't who's not playing this year is Michael Philp. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, he w- he was good for twenty thirty goals a year yes. for Park Orchards. He's be- he's probably been missed in that forward line. Yeah, a little bit. Watching them at Nord that day, they got a lot of really good mid sized to yeah. small forwards. Yeah. They try Andreas Everett, but he's just not a natural. Key I don't forward. think he's a forward. No, because he never played as a key forward like his whole life. Like you can't just. I know I know a lot of those AFL blokes come back and demand to play full forward. But if you if you spent your whole career being told. You know, yeah. you play on the wing or you play half yeah. back. It's we the difference is Brad Henderson on that one because yeah. Michael Phillips a relative of his. Is he there? We go. The difference is and we know get the facts for us. AFL players <laughs> come back is not only they're four or five kilos heavier, but they carry it with athleticism. Yeah, yeah. So when you get a one-on-one contest, the exposure of the difference in physicality is quite stark. So that's why yeah. they dominate yeah. up forward. At I times. think um, Kane Keppel though is one who's got. A, he's a beautiful kick of the footy. He's a good size, got a good leap. If I were Park Orchards, I would isolate him deep. I, no. I, I, that would be. I, I know he probably roams up the ground better and gives him a nice option around the ground. But if, especially at home on a small deck, I would, I would isolate him as your marking target because he can. He can, you jump can see Sam Rowe. Played defence for in you know, AFL, mm. and then he's coming kicking goals, going, "Oh, this is all right." Yeah, <laughs> bit different to Everett because Everett was never a real key position player, or Sam Rowe at least was a key position player. But yeah. look, it's an interesting debate. The latter, just to sort of summarise it before we go to our first break here on the Monday recovery. So Rovalier game clear still, but yeah, we're a little bit not worried about them, but we think they might drop back 
probably to they'll be aiming for top three. You'd say, right? If they got top three, they'd be well. They'd be know. aiming for top two because I think it's only top two get the double yeah, it's a chance. Good point. They'll so be they've certainly for top got two. their eye on at least top two. Whether they can hang in there, I think well, the draw will favour them. Yeah, they're doing everything right. At oh the yeah, they, they're, That's it, they're absolutely know. flying. They're noble again back on twenty eight points, but like we said, they seem to be everyone's uh, premiership favourite. Uh, Ball and, and South Croydon behind them on twenty four. Ball with a much better percentage, and as we mentioned, South Croydon have struggled against the other top six sides. Doncaster East and Vermont on twenty points. Both sides sort of hitting a bit of a wobble in the middle of the season. Blackburn have emerged as probably the favourite to jump into the six if one of those were to miss, given their recent form, and, and obviously Brennan Allen was great to talk to. Park Orchard's in order on 16 points with a better percentage than Blackburn, but obviously no draw. Doncaster 12, Berwick 6, and North Ringwood yet to... Uh, Yet to register a win, and we are a little bit worried about that. Uh, we're going to go to a break here on the Eastland Monday Recovery. When we come back, we'll jump into Division 1 and Division 2, where South Belgrave continued their red-hot form, and Moorabark remain undefeated. Joel wheels around onto his left, goes long inside 50, coming down just about half forward through the hands, going inside 50. They've got to try and get their hands on this fin. No, Finn brilliant. Can he kick the goal? Finn Brownie has! Eastland's new sporting precinct, the circuit, has arrived. Race into the circuit for customised kicks, giveaways, streetwear, new stores and more. Visit eastland.com.au for more details. David Langley must have just stepped up his line there, guys. And uh, Big Gordon, not quite um, a dainty man, just snuck up on him and, <laughs> and took him out. And he's he's kicking into what is a strong breeze. He's going to probably aim for the right-hand goalpost. And this to bring the Tigers back to within four points. Yep. Very close to the man on the mark, though, here, Brash. The big fella. Didn't look comfortable, but he struck it pretty That's nicely. Right. Two in a minute for the Tigers. He's given it the double cobra. That's the first one. Welcome back to the Eastland Monday recovery into Division 1 now. And uh, we will get to Mitchum and their uh, willful effort against Moorabuck in a second. But we're going to start at the LSO where Croydon bounced back uh, after a pretty shocking month, to be honest. After we saw them beat Beaconsfield, they did not fire a shot after that. Um, you know, woeful against Mitchum. Uh, poor poor in their other two uh, other game against Montrose and and really they would have been looking forward to the bye and they obviously reset because they came out kicking nine goals to none against the Falcons to lead by 54 uh, points at the first break and then ended up winning by about 47 in the end so Ludo ended up winning the last three quarters but uh, it was too little too late just to shout out Jordan Jaworski kicked six of a possible uh, seven for Ludo um, so he's having a pretty good season um, and then Bailey Hocker back in the back in the best players and the best players for Croydon Hocker, McKenzie, Carter, McKenzie and Christy five regular names, which is good to see for them. But Brash, it was a big win for Croydon because if they'd lost that one, they would have slipped right back to the pack and would have been in danger of missing finals, let alone missing the top three. Yeah, they shook, them, shook themselves out of their lethargy here, Croydon. Uh, you know, you know, they were they were staring four four losses on the on the run, and their form had had tapered off almost to the fact that I nearly was starting to not being able to pick them for the rest of the year. The way they were playing, Lily. Dale's form had been encouraging up and up until that. Sometimes it just needs one quarter of football just to um, remind yourself that if we play that sort of brand of football, we can beat anyone on any given day. And basically, the game was over a quarter time, and they were able to control the, the tempo of the contest for the remainder of the afternoon. Yeah, that nine goals in the first quarter—that's that's a dream start, isn't it? But yeah, but but Brash, not only those four losses that Croydon had, but they some of those were big losses as well. You know, they were, and it almost felt like from the, <laughs> it almost seems like that their form um, stopped 
Right. Uh, they went into a bit of a downward spiral from about the second quarter in that Beaconsfield exactly. game um, until um, the yep. fir- until the, uh, the first quarter yesterday because they just you know some of the scores they were kicking three six and yeah. four seven. I'm thinking, what's happened here? Well, yeah. Where's this all? Where's all the goal kicking power just gone? Yeah. Gav, isn't it funny how your season can turn around like that? You know, yeah. you, you're woeful for four weeks and you come out and you kick nine goals in the first quarter. Turn, turnaround might be a stretch, but yes, it's a more positive. <laughs> Outlook than it was well, going into the bar. Yeah. Sometimes um, momentum, the week off is momentum buster is is like you can stop feeling the woe. Woe is us. We can't do mm. anything right. And then it's like you have a break from not doing something right. You go, well, let's just start again and go for it. Because it looks like Lilydale were playing on um, Adelaide time and didn't turn up. <laughs> well, that was that, that's their problem. And a lot of the boys might have gone to Adelaide for the bio. <laughs> you know, Gav, they've come back. They've woken up. Luke McCormick's on the buzzer going, where are you boys? We've got to run the reserves out there. Uh, Luke McCormick has signed on for another year as good. coach for Lilydale. So that's good news for them. Um, and just in, in, in terms of the importance for Corinthians is they've now jumped back into the hundreds for their percent. And incredibly, the rest of those sides are all log-jammed after Bayswater's win over Upper Gully between about 93% and 98 So I, I honestly see percentage probably being the decider because all these these other sides keep tripping over each other. Um, East Ringwood and Montrose. So Montrose put out a really good performance after getting absolutely pantsed by Murrubark the week before. But unfortunately for Montrose, their good performances brash seem to come against the good teams where they don't get the points. And then their bad performances come against teams they should beat. And they still don't get the points because they're stuck on four wins despite, you know, putting out some impressive performances. They lost by 25 points. Um, Trent Farmer kicked four and other you know, professional points from East Ringwood. But Montrose, I don't know. You know what it is? Don't, I don't know. They tease and they tandalise. Yeah, they do. Know. I look and at their history, though, but from going back through their games, I think they've been beaten in most games in one quarter. Yeah, and then, so the one win, the one game that sort of just pops out of nowhere is the fact yeah. that they beat Mitchum. Yeah. Really, and, and Mitchum will rue that because if Mitchum had won that, they could have almost locked away a double chance. Uh, the, the thing is, the way I'm the way I'm reading Division 1, Murrubark and East Ringwood on most weeks are going to be your banker bets because they're the two most consistent sides. The rest you can raffle at the moment. Feeding them, you can, you, you can no, you raffle can, you, you can maybe. I think Mitch, having watched Mitchum yesterday and having watched Croydon and Beaky and, and, and other teams, I think Mitchum are a step above the rest of that pack. Okay. But then, yeah, literally from Croydon down to Bayswater, you could, yeah, like you said, raffle it off. Because, Gav, you look at the ladder in terms of their percentage, it's like I said, it's all 90 odds. Mm. Croydon have now got a two-game break, but they stole not stole a couple, but they got lucky earlier in the year where sides kicked inaccurately against them. And since about round three, they've been, you know, on par with the sides like Wanty South, like Lillardale, like Beaconsfield. Is there a – we talk about um, Montrose and East Ringwood and Moorbuck. Is there an advanced fitness levels – or is it a weight of pressure that gets East Ringwood five goals? talent. Yeah, just talent. They just push for longer. We'll talk about. We'll, may as well talk about Murubak Mitchum. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, we, the result there. So Murubak, the whole game just sort of held them an arm's length. I don't think Mitchum ever hit the front. So it was seventy-eight to fifty-nine, and then Jai Jordan kicked four. Uh, Jake Prenter kicked four at the other end. Uh, best Jordan was the best player on the ground. Riley Munkhurst uh, had a real big effect. Jesse Smythe uh, was in the best for Mitchum. Um, watching that game, Murubak Mitchum. Um, yeah, in terms of energy and effort and intensity, it, you you know you couldn't fault Mitchum at all. They had their periods where they you know every time you thought Murak would kick away, Mitchum would kick two or three and bring it back. Um, but it's just it's just the talents, the polish. So Murak were lucky. Aaron Mullet pulled out late, but they bought Will Fordham, who they signed in twenty twenty, who's North Melbourne listed, but he's at Frankston this is his first game. He you could tell 
he he was a VFL star the way he played the footy. But yeah, there was just moments when Murabak the ball movement out of the middle, and obviously Riley Munkos gives them the first use. Um, but yeah, in terms of it's not, it's definitely yeah. not. Well, for Mitchum, it wasn't effort or intensity or energy. It's just literally talent. Personally, look, I haven't seen either of these two sides, but I want to know the body size of both sides because I've got it in the back of my mind that uh, Murrowbark would be a much bigger body size uh, and you know stronger on the ball than well, what a like Mitchum's said, side Ford, was. Fordham is obviously a guy who's been on an AFL list and is now on a VFL list. So when even just watching him in the warm up, he looked. Like a, he looked about Jake Prenti's size, but he was moving with the yeah. midfield. Okay. Monkhurst is a man mountain. Yeah, like yeah, he's there course. was a period there where I think uh, yeah. Jake Tui got the ball. He was about forty five from home, and you could tell he wanted to kick the goal, but he saw Big Riley just closing <laughs> in, and he might have just panicked a little bit on the kick. Um, Jai Jordan, yeah, um, he plays taller than he looks out there. Um, and they've got obviously Shane Kennedy and Trent Giorgio in defence. Yeah. Um, Braden Doby offers a bit of height. So yeah, I think Murak are quite tall. Yeah. Maybe not big, big, but tall. Um, but their midfield is like. Kane Noonan, Caden Mackey, Austin Smith, all three. Uh, Mackey's still at Box Hill, but Noonan had been at Coburg for a couple of years and was a star, and Austin Smith has been on Casey's list and won the medal. And then you've also got the fact that Aaron Mullet didn't play. You've got James McManus still running around. Heath Hawking's just playing on a half-forward flank. Like, there's a lot. Like, it's, that's literally watching it was just like, Murubak, whenever they needed to, they could just pull the trigger. Matt, um, the last the last time Murubak's closest result was in round five where they won by 12 points but subsequently um, their wins have been 92 73 who was that against hmm? who was that against that close game that 12 that? points yeah that was against um mitchum i think it was uh, mitchum was round one maybe um, it might sorry. have been montrose yeah no? No, hang on I've... oh east ringwood of course yeah, it would have been east ringwood yeah right. they overran them yeah, yeah. so oh. considering that mural bark have won by big margins since round six in your opinion, was this the game, the close game that they needed to get a serious hit out against think, the quality opposition? I think if you look at comparison at like your Melbourne in the AFL, when they were challenged Melbourne recently, it's faulted and obviously there's extenuating circumstances. At three quarters, I was at the Mitchum huddle and Neil Winston brought the crew in. You can see it on Instagram, you know, I've got the video of it. There's a language warning, but basically saying to them, Murubak have got nothing to play for. Like they're undefeated. They're going to make finals. They're going to be first, probably, or second. And he was sort of saying to his Mitchin boys, like, like they may falter here because they don't need it. We need it. We want it. And then in the first five minutes, Murbuck went three centre clearances, three goals. Yeah. And I think that showed one. Brett uh, Lavers is a very impressive operator. Talking to him, he's just so he's, he just looks like the kind of guy that they could be down by six goals, and he's just very calm and positive. But also, it just showed that Murbuck do want it. Like they are. Hell bent about this, like yeah, it, not so that they that needed, his... not that they needed a loss, but it showed that that first ten minutes of that last quarter just showed that they, they they're not they're not resting on their laurels. They've got a mission and they're hell bent on doing so it. So is this is so moving forward? This is going to be Brent Laver's challenge to to keep the to keep yeah, the and, boys. But mind so on the far, job. watching him at the quarter time huddle when Mitchum had challenged them, yeah, like I said, poised, calm. You know, they made seven force changes from their last game. Um, yeah, he. Really impressive. I think, yeah, the challenge from Murbuck is they don't have the depth of other sides, as we've mentioned. Their reserves, Ray, uh, sorry, Gav, were, um, mm. yeah, they were, they were reserves. <laughs> um, there wasn't many blokes running around that you thought, oh, yeah, he could, he could step up. Um, but, yeah, so far, so good. Like 11 and 0, they're, yeah. they're doing everything right. Well, if you keep doing things right, it's hard for the opposition to force you to do things wrong. So I think you should never let up, and that's what Murbuck's all about. But Mitchum, I feel like this season, 
will take off if they can get Will Gordon yeah, in the game. Yeah, that, that is a really good point. So Will Gordon was slated to play twos and then didn't. If they can get him back, it means that... So at the moment, the forward I want to talk about, Ray, when we're talking about Divi- Premier Division sides, no one really has a key forward. Yeah. Baldwin's got Jordan Lyle, but, you know, Jordan played a lot of AFL footies, you know, probably not as committed as he used to be. No other sides have really got a key forward. Forward. That if you could run... You know, I know we got maybe James Wilson, but, you know, Anger, did he not play yesterday, Brash? But, you know, he's, again, he's probably focusing on other things and, you know, Bathy, again, the same sort of stuff. Jake Parenti is probably, if he he has to be the best forward in the comp then. Maybe you could argue Taylor Garner and Tim Smith. But, you know, Parenti kicked four goals and so I I think they want either Lovell or Will Gordon to come back and help him out because sides just... Just double team him, triple team him, and yeah. and then you know they need more height because Monkhurst. If they put level four, Monkhurst took the piss in the ruck, yeah. and then if they put level in the ruck, then Parenti couldn't really get a run and a jump at the footy. And then yeah. Barton Smith would get more clearances. Yeah, exactly. And things would start rolling from there. But Monkhurst is the best performed ruckman, but. From the word for Mitchum is that they've got the best ruckman. So. Well, they, well, they are pretty happy with Gordon, and he obviously was so good in their premiership year. And yeah. and on Easter England, they've got Han and Mundy in the ruck, so it will be interesting when we go and see that that match up later in the in the month um, or in a month's time. You know, it, it, it might be the deciding factor. But yeah, on Jake Parenti, forty three goals in a side that don't necessarily kick a lot of them, and then Jai Jordan's got thirty four or, or something like that, or maybe even forty on his return. 37. 37. 37 after four years off footy. Um, he's another guy that I know Jai Jordan's Murabuck through and through and Prentice Mitchum through and through, but Premier <laughs> Division clubs, if they're serious about it. They've already asked. Parente, but, I know well, yeah, but and I go back to the well. Okay. Uh, because honestly, he could he could honestly be the difference between a Blackburn being where they are now and, yeah. and contending. Well, put it this way, I, for, the sake of the, for the sake of the argument, I reckon Blackburn would have more chance of getting Parenti than what Vermont would. Well, Parenti, oh, yeah. Because... You know, it's the old adage. There are some clubs, Ray, we see it in the AFL, they just won't trade. No, Essendon yeah. won't trade with Carlton. You know, <laughs> yeah. They won't do you reckon, trade. Do you, reckon, do you reckon Vermont would trade for Mitchum? Who would they give? No, they will. <laughs> no, but, but to be honest, to be honest, you can make the argument, though, Mitchum are obviously a club on the rise and Rulebuck are close going up. So why would they leave? Well, the thing is, Parenti, Parenti's. Um, for, um, he's part and parcel of them moving up the ladder. Yeah. Well, put it this way. Bring back to the Bulldogs. Bob Murphy said, and I agree with him, why would I want to win a premiership elsewhere? It would mean it would be great, but I've lived all my life with one club. Why would I want to win a premiership elsewhere? I'd rather just achieve as much as and I can. And, and both of those guys I mentioned, Prenti and Jordan, are, I don't know <laughs> as much about Prenti, but I know Jai Jordan was literally Murabak since he could walk. And obviously, Freddie, his um, granddad is the reserves go on yeah. and, and volunteer. So, in terms of the Jai Jordan one, they've only just got him back to footy, so it would be pretty outrageous for him to leave. And, but and, I'm saying Premier Division clubs, if they're yeah. serious, should be going down to these games and, and look at those two because they and were Maddie, really good. And just going back from what you said, would Vermont uh, deal with, with Mitchum? And going back before your time, mate, yeah. and Brashwood probably might need, there was a lot of unfinished mm-hmm. business back in the days when, when, when Mitchum were in Division 1 playing Vermont, they were both top sides. Well, I heard a story so yesterday that it's the Andy Collins days, you're there, saying. There's unfinished business yeah, well, there, I'm sure. Well, mate, uh, maybe Vermont and Mitchum and East Bill, they are rising up the ranks. The, the, big, yeah. the big four I, might be I, getting back together. I guess the other thing, too, is when you're talking about club loyalty, I think uh, I think really Shane Allen really encapsulated what it, what it means. Um, like you said, he played football 
football at two different clubs, but in his heart of hearts, he always knew he's a Noble Park player and and he wanted to be back where where he feels that he belongs. And I think that's part of the – I think there are some players there, and we've got to take this at at face value, that they want to play at the club that they want to – And circling back to the salary cap debate we had in the first segment, if if we can lessen that, it, it also makes loyalty and, and club culture more important because then players won't – there won't be as much temptation to leave and then if you can create a good culture, you're going to go well. And that's what Murabak, to be honest, the place is buzzing down there because if you'd gone down there in 2018, 2019 when they were finishing eighth, I don't think they would have had as many people as they did yesterday. The lines of the canteen were, you know, back to the fence. The whole – like the parking – you know, well, I, you could argue they could probably get some more parking there, but you don't want to take away I'll from park the grassland. Outside there anyway. Well, you have to, but like <laughs> it's you know the parking was absolutely rammed. They had the girls' game afterwards. You know the the energy around Murabark is mm-hmm. amazing, and they're one club that have come out of COVID completely different to the way they went in in a good way. Yep. I, I think most clubs, Matt, when it comes back with the argument with the salary cap, I think the reason why they'd like to see it go up a little bit is to hope that they could purge or get some of those players back that were playing local football back in yeah, with a little from, bit of from extra... Trades. Make it more not local, not not yeah. just stars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, guys who maybe have taken an extra shift at work rather than uh, yeah. play footy. Okay. Uh, the last two games in Division 1, Bayswater and Upper Gully. Bayswater won by 44 points. Upper Gully, eight goals, three. So Best performance yeah, statistically and, uh, for the year for them. And, you know, and more importantly, it actually... They got better as the game went on, which has not been yep. um, something that they've done before that. Rory Bailey, Luke Tyner kick three apiece for the upper galley side and Alex Young kick five for Bayswater. So Bayswater under 16 points and sitting seventh on the ladder. Does that win out of turn, do they, Bayswater? Uh, no, that's a th- yeah. They just yeah. They just they just win as they win. Uh, one turn to South and Beaconsfield. Th- this is the game, and Ray was meant to go to that one, and then you got you got you got roped in, twisted his arm to go yeah. out to Berwick. Um, so Beaconsfield jumped out the blocks. Five goals to two, then nine goals to six at half time. They led by eleven points at three quarter time. If they'd won that one, they would have been a game clear in fifth. And uh, such is Division One this year, Ray. That when when you think a side's got it one at three quarter time. They, they often lose it. So, one turn of South Storm time, five goals to one in the last quarter to win by 11 points. They're now gone four wins now, even with Beaconsfield, Montrose and, and uh, Bayswater. Liam Hewitt kicked four goals. He's been really impressive this year. Lincoln Wong, two and best on ground. Matt Johnson kicked five for Beaconsfield and Casey was Lico was best on ground. Mick Foggett would be fuming because, like I said, they, they could have put a bit of breathing room and started really attacking Croydon and Mitchum rather than worrying about Bayswater and Montrose. Look, we talk, spoke about loyalty, and there's one player I want to mention, Lincoln Wong at one turn of South. He could play at a higher level, without a doubt, you know, because he, he's won uh, under-19 competition medals, and, he, and he, you know, he's obviously one turn of South's best player, in my opinion, anyway. And But, you know, he's a guy that's been real loyal, and I, I can't ever see him leaving one turn of South, no matter what. No. Matt Beaconsfield just seem to shoot themselves in the foot, don't they? A little bit. Here. Yeah, well, they look like they found a bit of scoring boots, and, yeah. then, and then just yeah, it just hasn't worked. And and I think we need to compliment Montana South because I think in one of the mid-season reviews, whoever wrote the Division One one, it's it's slipped my mind who did write it. They did sort of say this next month is going to make Montana South. So they got Montrose next. I think they'll have Croydon and Mitcham. Um, in the, the few weeks after that. So in their next five or so weeks, they've got all those games that if they can win all of them or three of them, they might actually consolidate their spot in the five, which is where we probably think they should be, Ray. Like really, be, on paper, yeah. one turn to south yeah. of the best of those uh, five sides battling it out. 
yeah, without a doubt, you know, that they should be up there. But and the thing is, though, with, with uh, Juan Turner South, that the, when you look at the side, they're full of young uh, guys that are probably two or three years into their senior, yeah. into their senior uh, football career. Um, and looking at that side yesterday, uh, there's a lot of guys in there, like a, a lot of the Vermont boys that, that went up to Juan Turner South uh, were playing in this game. Um, and through injury, and they haven't been able to put their best side on the park, one turn to south, but also no too, one has. No, no. Uh, but also too, I think it just proves a point that um, when Steve Cochran has his best side at his disposal, he can certainly get the best out of them. Oh, well, he's a great coach, bro. Yeah. You know, he's got the record on the board. But look, just going back, I remember early in the year we spoke to uh, Mick Fogarty, you know, when, when Beaconfield had one of those <laughs> wins. Get, are you going to talk about playing four quarters? <clears throat> no, no, I'm talking about <laughs> at the result at the end of the year. He he said I would be happy, you know, to be really consolidated in the middle of the ladder. Mm. You know, obviously you'd want to play finals, but if you don't, you know, the, their main aim was to be, you know, round about just outside that top mm. four or five, he, he said. And uh, and I think that's where they'll finish up. Yeah, I, I I still think they'll be the team that finish up in fifth, just because of their home ground advantage. Yeah, and I think as the year goes on, they are starting to play more consistent footy games. Like yeah. early on in the year, you could see there was one bad quarter. This game yesterday, besides like they, it's not like they went to sleep in the last quarter. They had five scoring shots. It's just that and one turn south had seven. Wanty south just kicked them. Um, so they are getting closer and closer to playing four quarters at footy Beaconsfield. But on the Wanty south, yeah, like I said, this next month they, they had to get this win because if they'd lost that one. They'd be, you know, obviously two games behind fifth if they'd lost and, and they would be going into a tough run gap. Oh, definitely. It's, it's not going to be embarrassing to finish ninth in this division, is it? No. However, one caveat, the, the one thing that, that is holding them back is their goal-kicking percentage. It's only around 46%. Then yeah. I've spoken about this before. Them and Berwick would be the worst on your little charts there, at Brash, and I reckon it's because they didn't have as much pressure on them in previous um, iterations, and it's no. easier to kick goals when no one's try- when no one's putting pressure on you. Yeah. Croydon are um, 45, right? 45 goals. But we've watched them. They don't really... No. They don't play a footy where you get easy shots. It's sort of <laughs> they sort of they work hard for their goals. So quickly the ladder before we roll into Division Two. Murubak forty four points. They've played that extra game, but they are undefeated. East Ringwood are a game two games behind them, but have got a game in hand. So they're on thirty six points. Then you've got Mitchum and Croydon on twenty four. Um, so there's obviously the top two well out in front. Beaconsfield remain fifth on percentage and then on sixteen points, along with Montrose in sixth, Bayswater in seventh, and Monty South in eighth, and then down in ninth, Gav. Mm. All the way down in ninth, literally just a game out of the four. <laughs> so they're just a game out of the five. If they turned up to the games on time. Exactly. And if they didn't, if they'd reset their clocks, um, they're in ninth on 12 points. And Upper Gully, for all their improvement, uh, are yet to win a game. So, again, we hopefully, for the Kings, they can pinch one. Down into Division 2 now, and it was another big round, um, you know, in terms of the, the, the games are on. There was Ringwood in the base, and Brony and Mulgrave, Heathmont South, Belgrave. Uh, we'll start quickly with the game that went to script. East Burwood and Knox. East Burwood... Um, Kicked in accurately, to be honest. They kept knocks in the game. In the end, they won 13-20 to 8-7, so a 43-point win. Uh, Matt Mariani back in the side with three goals. East Burwood are now 10 points clear in third spot, so incredibly for the Rams, they would look like they've sewn up the double chance. Brony and Mulgrave, in round one, Brony won that game by 10 goals or so, and uh, 
to be honest, I went into this one brush thinking Mulgrave were favourites, but Baronia have come away with a really impressive win by 16 points. Damien Fairchild and Sam, uh, Sean Collins sorry, kicked three apiece. Adam Booth, three for Mulgrave. Taylor Leggett in the best for Baronia, and every time he plays, he seems to be in the best place. Yeah, he he does. just doesn't play. No. Um, but that's a massive win for Baronia because now they're back into fourth. They've leapfrogged Mulgrave. They're now a game clear of the Basin and, and two games clear of Templeson and Heathmont. Um, and unfortunately for them, Eastbury would look to have locked up third, but they need to keep winning, Bronia. Well, they're probably the most side under the under pressure now in Div 2 for the rest of the year because they're going to have to keep fighting for fourth spot every week in, week out. Um, whereas the top three sides who won't take their foot off the pedal, they probably can afford – they'll probably be afforded a, a loss or so towards the end of the yeah, year. It, it looks like it's – yeah, they, Ringwood and East Bird or one of them would have to trip up twice for Bronia to even get a chance at, at double chance. But the, theoretically – Matt, in in essence, now it almost seems like to me that it's either Baronia, Mulgrave, or the Basin fight yeah. now for four spot. Well, and well, there's five. So bro, two of those sides will make finals. Oh, okay, so there's five. two spot. There's a top five um, for Mulgrave though. Ray, their next few weeks, I think they've got Ringwood, East Burwood, South uh, Heathmont, South Belgrave. So at the start of the year, we spoke about how they could easily be on five and and have played good footy. Unfortunately, now. They could easily still be stuck on five wins and still be playing good footy, but the problem is the basin and that will be breathing down their necks. Yeah, it's not the sort of week you want to, uh, the month they you want to be to going into. They needed to win this one. They had well, to they, win this one. In effect, you know, they, they, they won four in a row. They won yeah. five in a row. Five in five a row. row. And they've given two two back yeah. now. In the last two weeks. In the yeah. last two weeks. And then they've got three, three big If they'd ones. won the basin and Bronia game, they'd be, they'd be yeah, actually yeah. still a chance, a double <laughs> chance. Um, but they... Yeah, that, unfortunately for them, they lost to the Basin massively and then lost to um, Baronia yesterday, Gav. So yeah. not only have they missed their chance to close in on East Bill, they've actually, like Brash is saying, they've opened it right up. And there's a couple of uh, easier games that'll keep East Burwood chortling along. The thing is about um, the top five, and the great thing is, is that fourth and fifth have to work it out eventually between themselves uh, yes. in a one or well, final. And the base and the Mulgrave will play in the last round, so it may it may come down to, to a, a mini eliminator before the eliminator. I can't get any more confused as each week goes by to know what's if Baronia. And the Basin and Heathmont can't get a handle on them. Yeah, well, quickly, we'll mention the Heath. So, Templestowe won convincingly against Oakley District. Cameron Cloak back. So, poor Oakley District. They've played two games against Tempe, and they're two of the three that Cameron Cloak's played. They play. <laughs> um, so, but to be fair, Oakley District, they, they um, look to have closed the gap on Tempe from round one. Um, so, Templestowe moved above Heathmont on percentage. Heathmont actually did pretty well against South Belgrave. They were in the game, well, they, they were in front at half time. They, they, and then South Belgrave kicked um, seven of the last uh, nine goals. Sam Brown kicked four for South Belgrave. Rippingale, two for Heathmont. Wade Van Leeuwen and Mitch Garner, best of fields for their side. So, South Belgrave remain out on top. Um, with nine wins, Heathmont um, on four wins along with Templestowe. So, yes, Gav, so, yeah, it's hard to get a read on Heathmont especially. You still hold out hope for them, but like Mulgrave, their next month is pretty much going to decide it, and they they can't afford to drop any – well, they probably can only drop one of the next three, and they've got the base in Ringwood and Mulgrave. They might – to give them credit, the big win against Tempe, and then I suppose this is competitive against South Belgrave. 5-8 5-8 versus 8-15 to well, contain them on the day. Time. They're up at half time. Yeah, to, to contain them on the day is probably creditable. So maybe they've turned around. But, uh, yeah, there's that Basin go from kicking um, lots of goals to 4-10. Yeah, well, so. I've had, like I said, I've said it a couple of times, Justin Stanton in round one on pre-game turned to Brash and I and he said, we, you know, as much as we love playing at home, we, we prefer the big grounds. 
We love the big grants. Well, so far their record is they haven't won, haven't won away from home. Oh, no, they beat Oakley District, but they haven't beaten anyone else away from home. They've had two thumping wins against Eastfield and Mulgrave at home, and then they went out to Ringwood, and they got their pants pulled down. Nine goals to two at halftime. And I know Ringwood brought back um, their players, and, and Ringwood were at full strength. That's their best side from all reports. Um, two goals to Brown, Burton, Mercado, Jordanov, and Wadley. Jordanov back into the side for the first time this year. Um but the basin, you know, they keep talking about big grounds. Let's let's call the lie. You know, let's call it now, Ray. They don't like big grounds. They, they want to play at Batterham, <laughs> and they're they going to have to win all their games at Batterham if they're going to make the finals. Well, exactly. Riddle, riddle me, riddle me this, riddle me that. I can't. I'm like, I can't. I I can't. Like Gav, I can't take a. I can't take a line on the basin. Well, you can't take a line on anyone in Division Two. You got three teams that are good. Yeah, but, South Borough of Ringwood East Build, and then the rest, honestly. I'll give you an I expected that game to go as planned yesterday as the result for South Mel, uh, South Belgrave yeah. and Heathmont. Right, but I was expecting a better showing by the from the Basin against Ringwood. Yeah, I, a much I've, better yeah. performance. All the other results, bar the Baronia Mulgrave game, which I thought was a 50-50 game based on their latter positions and, and their form, that could have gone either way. But I... I would would have, I would have expecting a lot better from the basin in this game against Ringwood than what they put up in round one. Brash, you look at their list, the basin. They got a, they got a very good list, really, and they got a list that to me that almost you know yeah, equals Trevor, everyone else in the competition right, apart Trevor from Mills a couple. Kick goals, but but I think I think a lot of their downfall is above the shoulders. I think they go into games with this little bit of doubt in the back of their mind, and it only takes a, a speck of doubt. You know, they I th- would love to see them, and I don't know. I could be wrong. They're going into a game saying, well, we can knock off South Belgrade. We can knock off Ringwood. Yeah. But to me, that's the only thing I can put it down to. You know, the thing is, right, as I just said, when Trevor Mill, Trevor Mills seems to be the barometer of the base, and when they're up and flying, he's kicking But goals. he has been for years. I know. You know. But that's where, that's where we're at. I, yeah. I mean, look, I look at their best best players. Ethan Power, a young man on the rise, Todd Power's son. Yeah. Really good footballer on the on, on on the right, you know. The other thing is too, they can't get their they can't get the captain in back into the side. Shane Davidson, an important player off that half bank, who provides a lot of run for them. He can't get on the park this year because he's injured. Mm. I just think for them, you I think it's there is a mental block, but I also think too that sometimes. Um, some of the the basin need to start taking some responsibility, right, for their performances on a week to week basis. Because in the eyes of of the their supporters, that's unacceptable what they're dishing out. Look, I agree totally with what you said. And look, all teams have got key players out, so you can't just say, "Oh, they're captains out." Blah blah blah. I'm, I'm no. over. I'm over that. Yeah. I, yeah, no, I, you've got to, They've I'm got not, to take I'm responsibility tr- for I, where they're I, at and I what they're performing. I'm, I'm just saying <laughs> that's the, that's the problem. We we. <laughs> The thing is, we're excusing we we're not excusing the yeah. fact that there are injuries, but unfortunately, the, the lay of the land is that the, each side need their best players in the in the. In I, the I, team. I'll pose I'll pose a question to you all, gentlemen, before we go to a break. Just to, one thing though, Nick Hallow is the runner for Mitchum's 19s. Really, he was out at Maroubac yesterday, the runner, and he's from all reports, he's been. I've seen a few photos and I've been to a couple of games on my way to games. Every time, Nick Hallow, I know he's mates with Jesse Wren, who's the coach of the Mitchum 19s, but he's the runner for Mitchum 19s. <laughs> and then he drives off. I saw him leaving yesterday. He's driving off to um, Ringwood. So he's gone from Ruhrbach to Ringwood. 
You'd hate for them to be playing Oakley District or something like that, <laughs> <laughs> or Beaconsfield, or Beaconsfield all the way back out to Ringwood or whatever it is. Um, but just quickly, all right, I'll we'll pose a question before we go to our next break on the Monday recovery at the moment. So South Bow over Ringwood East Bell are going to make finals, definitely. Yeah. Are we willing to lock Baronia in? Not no, yet. No, I'm not, okay. No. So my question is, who will finish fourth and fifth? I've think, got Baronia in the basin. I got Baronia and, and Mulgrave. Gray? I don't know. I'm still looking for it. Yeah. <laughs> Your options are Brony and Mulgrave, the base in Templestowe Heathmont. Uh, probably. Look, I don't think. I definitely don't think Baronia will. Heathmont maybe. So you've got Baronia and Heathmont. No, Baronia won't. Make okay, it. so you've got Heathmont. Heathmont, and, I think can make it. And still. who else? And who's the other one? The Basin, Mulgrave. <laughs> no, not the, but definitely not the so Basin. So you've got Heathmont Mulgrave. and Mulgrave. Maybe Heathmont Mulgrave, and Mulgrave. Even with their but run home. More than my opinion, how can you be so sure they won't make it? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. He doesn't like other Hawks. <laughs> right. um, okay. You, who, who, what about you, Gav? Uh, look, uh, I've got Mar- Baronia in the Basin. Romantically, I, I, would, I wouldn't mind Mulgrave and uh, Tempe, but I think um, Baronia in the Basin. Yeah, oh, so they've got the probably more more I think, stars. I think on paper, event, like I've, you can only give them so many more lives, but eventually, I think their talent will win out. But they're going to have to sort it out, the basin. But yeah, it's been an interesting debate. Uh, okay, we're going to head to another break here on the Eastland Monday Recovery. When we come back, Division Three and Division Four, where Waverley and Sylvan are sort of ruining our party a little bit with their big wins <laughs> against their other top two rivals. Former Temple State man gets plenty of height on the kick. I think he's off target though. In fact, he's out of bounds. He's missed everything completely. And that's yeah. a wasted opportunity. Hard kick for a left footer <laughs> on the left hand side that just can't get the angle of the dangle right. <laughs> <laughs> It's their Monday recovery. You've got Wayne Brasher on the uh, on the little the little jingle there, and you've got Wayne Brasher in your ears. He pressed it in. Now you're on. Now he was just yeah. talking about the Oracle. He was just going through the Oracle results, and then he heard himself through his ears and thrown him. Welcome back to those listening. Uh, we're in Division Three and Division Four now, and uh, we'll start out at Furniture Gully. And uh, look, Gav, a couple of weeks ago, you, you were still making a case that they could possibly make finals, and they still mathematically can. Well, I've got they, support around. They've the community. got support around the community. There's six rounds left for them because they will have two buys because they've already played the Wavy Blues, but they got a massive win yesterday against Fair Park. Uh, Kieran Gray kicked five, Jack Flannery four. Um, two weeks in a, or two games in a row, they've notched up 100 points for Entry Gully. They still remain in the bottom two because Glenn Waverley got a really, really important win over Scoresby and Jesse Dunn's last game for the club by just four points. But Entry Gully's form would indicate that they're going to be fine relegation-wise, we assume. And if they can win all six games, Gav, they might just sneak into the finals. But it's yeah. a massive, it's a massive. Uh, it's uh, a win, win for the true believers. But uh, <laughs> the thing is, is I didn't really look deep into the fact that they were getting too. They had already too many games under their belt. Mm-hmm. But can, the thing is, is I don't like to see us getting too far ahead and saying they're in relegation when their talent alone Mm. should be putting them in the mix. When you see Kieran Gray kick five, and I know he's been on a bit of a run now of kicking uh, goals, uh, that's what they probably needed. And if his game has changed where he's spending more time inside 50, because for a guy that's not tall... He's, a, he's, he's strong. A, he's strong, and there's no matchup for him at times. So they've obviously worked out a way to use him in the contest and up forward. So that's really um, done well. There's, they were losing games by low margins, and they weren't finishing the games off. So the, they the, weren't scoring. The, yeah, when it counted as well. Mm. So I think the percentage 
we talk about percentages and sometimes it tells the story that you're competitive but you're not getting the job done and the fact is they didn't get the job done eight times or something before they got a draw. So, yeah, I'll maybe you can see they might not make finals but they'll get close and they'll upset a few sides on the way. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. The problem is, though, with Glenn, Waverley, Glenn Waverley's wind rash, as much as they can start thinking about possible uh, shots into the top four, they still are in the bottom two. So they Glenn couldn't Waverley, afford the Waverley Hawks to win yesterday. No, they couldn't. And they play them, I think, in their next game. So I think Fenjigali now have the bye and then play Glenn Waverley, and, and then that's it for them in terms of buys. Uh, but Max, not... so Max Holmes too, Lewis Holmes too, Mitch Potts too, Jesse Dunn couldn't get a ga- uh, goal in his final game, nor in the best player. So no sense of ceremony from the guys picking the best there. But uh, 10 6 66 to 9 8 62. Disappointing loss for Scoresby because they could have uh, kept yeah. pace with Donvale, but they have actually moved up the ladder into fifth because of Donvale's win over Whitehorse. But yeah. massive for Glen Waverley. Massive for Glen Waverley, who've had their own trials and tribulations this year. They're just. Um, it's always been one step forward for them and two steps back. Uh, yesterday, they got a, a timely win. Admittedly, their form in recent times, Glen Waverley, had been on the improve. Um, but wasn't as wasn't good enough for them to get to get victory. I think um, you know with with the way Division Three's heading and that the fact that Furniture Gully is now found form heading towards the uh, the back end of the season. Uh, I, I I agree they they probably have to win every game to to play finals. But I think the thing is yesterday, Matt. I think that. Big win for them against Fair Park, I think, was uh, was coming because... Well, they'd, they, and they'd rolled Whitehorse the week before. And they had. And the thing was that even when losing, Furniture Gully were kicking scores that were better than what Fair Park... In losing than yeah. what Fair and, Park and was. And as we've, we've noted, Ray, a couple of weeks back, that Waverley said their best side they played were Furniture Gully. They'd yes. beat them by four yeah. points. Donvale said the best side they'd played before Waverley were Furniture Gully. So yeah. clearly they're going well. But for Glenn Waverley's sake, that win against Scoresby keeps them... You know, in, like in, I said, the they're mix. still out of the relegation zone. But, yeah. you know, Bradshaw, we're talking about Glenn Waverley having to win all their games to make finals. Glenn Waverley going to have to pinch another one against someone like a Whitehorse, who yeah. they did beat earlier on, or yeah. even a Coldstream or yeah. a Donvale to stay yeah. up, yeah. you think? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think Glenn Waverley are going to make it. But, look, I'm just, just on Fernty Gully, before we jump off it, let's go back to that radio game. How important is one point in football? Because they got beaten by uh, yeah, three Warren points. by one point. Three points. Three points. But they, but they had plenty of chances. Anyway. One exactly kick. right. So how important – if they'd have won that game, yes, I would have said, dear, the position they're in well, now, they will they, play finals. If, but they, that, that if they'd the won game. that game, and they obviously drew with Coldstream, yeah. so if, if they could find two goals across the course of the yeah. year, they'd actually be in fifth spot and probably, yeah, yeah like I said, knocking on the door. That's right. You know, And you had faith in them all along. <laughs> well, I had faith in them. I had faith in them. I had faith in them getting out. Out of relegation, Gav, Gav <laughs> no, was the first one. They're better than that. They're better than that. They are better. Um, I had faith in them getting out of the relegation race. Gav was the one who initially uh, flagged <laughs> yeah. the possibility oh, of finals. Let's not ride off teams too quickly. Well, and, as, and as Ray said a couple of weeks ago as well, if they actually win their next ten in a row, they'll probably win the flag. So yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, if they get on a roll, they get on a roll. Um, but look, fortunately for them, they they, they did get the chocolates. And, and like we said, massive what under Jesse Dunn, obviously, but also massive what under Glen Waverley because it would have been. You know, that if they dropped into the relegation zone with a loss yesterday, it probably it would have spelt trouble given that they play Furniture Gully next. And you that don't need fifty percent record to make finals in this division. No, I don't think no, you will. No. I think fourth spot is is probably going to be a team that just sort of fall in 
Um, but then fortunately, the fact is that with Coldstream and Domvale and Warrandyte, you know, I know Domvale got a massive win yesterday, so they thumped uh, Whitehorse 121 to 54. Ethan Duncan kicked 13 goals. This is a man who won our best player on ground a couple last year playing centre-half back. Um, so he's been swung there to fill the Nick Murphy hole, and he's done it bloody well. You'd be... Duncan Jones would be very annoyed that no one they couldn't find a matchup for him across the day. But um, yeah, Gav makes a good point about the fact that you know the top besides Waverley, the the other sides you could finish with a you know less than fifty percent record. Is it a top but five or top four? Top four. You could oh, finish yeah. with a less than fifty percent record and finish fourth and still fancy your chances going into a final because outside of Waverley, no one's really putting together cons- some consistent footy. But Ethan Duncan, thirteen goals, brush. That's a pretty decent day. Well, it's a lovely day. I was a full... sun, sun's out, you know, overlooking Box Hill there at Donvale and he snagged 13 of them. Yeah, oh, gee, it's a day. It sort of brings me back to my own days, but that was oh, a it? story of a long time ago. 13? Yeah, I kicked, no, I kicked nine was oh. the best. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's shattering. It, it was shattering because <laughs> I missed, I kicked nine six that day. Oh, anyway. Oh, uh, let's move you on. You would have beaten oh, my dice yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, yeah. Yesterday, for me, the, the most telling factor about Division Three football yesterday, and I'm quite prepared to say it now, but I can't see Whitehorse playing finals. Yeah, I think this the, fa- yeah. the thing is, like the Basin in Division Two, they can't win away from home. And it's not just that they're not winning, but their last two away games have been... So their last three away games, they lost to Glen Waverley, a side that many expect them to beat comfortably. They lost to Fernchigali, who at the time hadn't won a game, and they lost them by 10 goals. And then they've come out here and lost... They've lost to one man who didn't even play forward until halfway through the season. Um, away, away from home, if you looked at, I don't know what your stats have got there, Brash, if you've got any on away versus home, but I would hazard a guess, Ray, that Whitehorse are about an 80-point worse side away from home. Oh, yeah, you know, okay. they would be. I can tell you, um, Division 3, Whitehorse, uh, In your average, <laughs> average win-loss 24 for the season at home, 38 points away, 24 and 0 at home, and 0 and 38 away. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So, it's so they're about, a, it, yeah, six, but six goals average away, but Plus then four. it's as a, it a swing, so it's actually 10 12, goals. Yeah, 12, 10 yeah, to 12. Yeah, yeah. 10 yeah. to 12 goals. So that's, that's, yeah. that's not a finals team. No, so when Duncan has a good day for Donvale, Duncan doesn't have a good day for Whitehorse Pioneers. Is that no, how it is? Well, it was a battle of the Duncans, and Duncan Jones came <laughs> off second best, unfortunately, yeah, but for The him. thing I take out of that division, though, the big disappointing thing to me is that the, the Warrandyte Waverley yes, Blues so result, 70 points. I, I yeah, thought that Warrandyte 110 to 41. Be... Ryan Phillips is out for a month. He um, yeah. cut open his hand. Yeah. So stitches. Yeah. So he's out for a month, which is disappointing to them. But yeah, it was the last sort of hurdle for Wavy Blues. It was the one team they hadn't beaten in the last two years was Warren yes. Dyke, um, and they they smacked them. Looks like they they done seventy with odd points. That's, that's a huge. Look, with, with Philip Josh Williamson side, and Josh Williamson pulled out yeah. with COVID on the morning of the game. So they still haven't yeah, played yeah, their best team, technically. Yeah. With Phillips out of that side, though, they've still got Luke Dundee. I don't know whether he's been playing recently. He was recently. named. He was he, named. He, because, I mean, he's the 100-goal kicker for a year. He kicked 100 yeah. goals in this. So they, he, they have got a replacement there. Maybe not to the ability at the moment of what Phillips has been. It's not about kicking goals against Waverley. It's about winning it out of the middle. In middle, out the middle. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, they, no, that was disappointing by Warren Dyke. So, oh. so Waverley now three. I know they've played an extra game, but they're three games clear of second. So, Waverley 36 points, Warrandyte 24, Coldy who had the bye 22, and Donvale 20. Scoresby, like I said, they lost but got, went up the ladder. They'll be kicking themselves for not winning that game because if they did win it, they would have been equal fourth. But they're on 16, Whitehorse on 16. But Whitehorse's percentage, as you mentioned, Brash, has plummeted. 
And yep. this is half a joke, but uh, why Waverley Blues can get used to playing every two weeks and uh, win a premiership because um, well, they they they've, week, got, they've that, got two buys in the yeah. second half of the year, so they'll go. So they'll have they'll keep playing. Then they'll have a buy when they're meant to play Furniture Gully, which will be about in two a month, maybe yeah. three weeks. Then they'll have the bye in round 18 or the, you know, yeah. the last round. And then, then, they'll, they'll, then they'll probably have the week off because yeah. they'll be the top side. So they won't play footy for four. They'll, they'll, probably, just, they'll just play them, every second weekend. They'll find, they'll find a practice match. <laughs> knowing Tom Langford, he'll be seeking out. He might get on the phone to, you know, Sylvan. We'll have a hit out. Um, you know, he could <laughs> do it. But then you've got, yeah, like you said, they'll have the week off there. Uh, no, no, they won't have the week off. Sorry, it's top four. But they'll, win, they'll likely win. Have a week off, yeah, and then and then go into a grand final. They will they'll be fresh, fresh as a daisy. Well, that's it. Yeah. So yeah, normally it's a handicap. To we talk about when Collingwood won the premiership in nineteen ninety, Essendon were handicapped by having weeks off, and Geelong were sucking. But we've back seen in, this in local. But we've seen this in local as well. We've seen this happen. Yeah, where yeah. sides have finished home and away well on top, and have Templestone. Yeah, they got bundled out straight sets. Twice, I think. In two yeah, because they won yes. it. Yeah, they got thrashed in a preliminary final. Uh, and so the thing is to you know, that uh, some sides just play better with continuity. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they'd rather fit in. Some sides, you would say, looking. So at is it the, is what, going back to Waverley Blues? Is it the fact that they're a running side, a quick movement? Is being fresh better for them? It probably is. Probably but, is. And the, the thing is, though, um, what, what's going to have to happen, second, third and fourth, they're going to have to find a level that may not, may not have to, that they may not be able to get to in the finals. Matt, is it, what, what, where's these finals being played in this division? Uh, nothing's confirmed yet, but no, Division but, 3 will likely be Ringwood. Okay, so they got Division the, 4 East Burwood. Well, Ringwood, the big wide open spaces will suit Waverley Blues too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So... Um, yeah, that division just sort of shaping up that there's one clear front runner. But look, Coldstream were close with them for three quarters. Domvale, you know, on their day have the scoring power. Warren not have beaten them, so and Coldstream could hope. be Coldstream could be the fly in the ointment. A in the only in the fact that yeah, because their ground is so big, Ringwood wouldn't hurt. Ringwood wouldn't. Be, no, no, no. You're right. Yeah, would yeah, be yeah. a harm to them. Yeah. No, they'd, they'd be hoping the VFL season's done and dusted so they can get Darcy Fritch back for a final series. Coldstream, but, but of course with. Scores, scores being Whitehorse are only a game out. But don't they have to play quality um, games? Yeah, they. I'm, Dyson Baker would be the man to know how many games he has to play. I think you've got to play at least four I games. I think he played the opening three or so. Right. So they, they might be on the phone to Darcy going, look, mate. We need you Williams back for one game. Williams <laughs> Can you come lace up? Um, but, yeah, look, look. The, the race is still not over, but percentage would indicate that the top four are, are much better. Than, yeah. The, yeah, much yeah, better they're than better six. Unless, of course, Furniture Gully, Ray. Can they storm home? They're He's still in the relegation in zone. The can time, they storm he? home? they got to win the last six. <laughs> they could do it. Uh, we roll into Division 4 now, and uh, there was some news across the division, obviously, with Surrey Park uh, getting a new coach during the week. James Kentworthy stepped up okay. from playing assistant to playing coach. Um, and to be honest, they might have had a sugar hit because I think that's the first time in maybe a month or so, Brash, that Surrey Park actually kicked over 100 points and probably the first time they've kicked over 100 against a side outside Nutter Wadding. In this season, they, they beat Forest Hill by uh, 117 points. A big statement. Their percentage now is a whole lot better than Churnside, but they're about three games off them. Um, Matt Pollock kicked four. They got close to their best side on Park uh, on the Park. Sorry, so a big win for Surrey Park and disappointing for Forest Hill. Massive disappointment for Forest Hill. Um, they're now fifth. Kilsyth into fourth. I tell you what, if they don't if they don't play finals this year, Forest Hill part of the reason is going to be. 
because and the leading factor is going to be their percentages is constantly taking a battering week on week. Brash, I saw half a game the game before the break of Forest Hill, and I'll tell you now that they finished up beating Kilsize that day, but they won't play finals, in my opinion. No, they're not a, good enough. They're not it's good. not looking And whoever good. does slip in a fourth spot in that division will play one final. Well, is it, is the thing is, though, Kilsoth beat Surrey Park only two round, three rounds yeah, ago. Yeah, I know, but but now look at the results yesterday. Mm. New it's, coach come in, they're, they're a different outfit. Sugar hit, though. Sugar hit. You, you, <laughs> you finish fourth and you think, yeah, I've achieved. Our club's achieved to be, something. To be, fair, to be fair, though, for a Kilsoth or a Coy North, let's say, that's the thing. If I still get fourth, they'll almost be like, not a waste of time, but it'll be like, oh, it's the bare minimum. Yeah. Whereas if a Kilsoth or a Croydon North yeah. pinch fourth, oh. they won't care if they lose by they 200. They <laughs> <play laughs> might be party exactly time. Right. They might turn up to the game exactly pissed. Right. <laughs> like, they'll be absolutely off, like, they'll be off their that, trolley. that means those two clubs have got a hell of a lot to play for well, for the rest of the and, season. And next week, Ray, Kilsoth, Croydon North will be there. Will we'll be there okay. calling that one out oh, of Hughes Park. It'll be a big one. I'll be up watching You're going to make a special appearance next no. week, right? If you want me, yeah, I'll be, well, be available. We always want you. Well, <laughs> you better send an email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. uh, we better talk about it. So, Kilsoth got the big win over Nutterwarding Gave uh, by 51 points. I did say Nutterwarding always lift for these games, surprisingly. Like, really, on paper, Kilsoth should have won that by a lot more. It's it's a weird thing the way Nutterwarding do that. Ryan Goodenson kicked five. He's having a pretty good year. Um, Jake, uh, Josh Winter and uh, Michael Van Roy, best players for Nutterwarding. So, Kilsoth into the four. Mm-hmm. They look on paper to be the side that should make it. The game against Croydon North will decide a lot. But look, what Simon Caldwell's doing down there is they're, they're generating some youth. And we spoke to him probably a month, or, uh, his assistant, sorry, a month or so ago. So they are planning for the future. Yeah, I think um, Kilsyth and Forest Hill are flipping trajectories. Uh, did they uh, play one more time? Uh, I'll have to check that. I'll check that really quickly now whilst you're talking. Yeah. But. Uh, no, no. So no. that so at the moment it's one. It's two, it's Forest Hill won both those games, but have obviously dropped a game to Croydon North, which means yeah, Kilsyth may, and then Kilsyth beat Surrey Park. So as long this as, Kil- Kils- as I think Kilsyth will play Croydon North twice more. So next week and probably later on, and then they'll play another. I, I assume they'll play another Wadding again as well. The okay. fact that uh, you know Kilsyth were at the lowest ebb in recent times yeah. and now have come from it, I think Forest Hill are bottom out to. Mm. Yeah, the worst situation in my imaginable look back of what I could I haven't seen them this low, and so two proud clubs. But Kilsyth and Forest Hill were within two points of each other. Kilsyth beat Surrey Park recently, so their trajectory is up. So who um, have Kilsyth got left? Croydon North uh, next week. Yep, Emlock, uh, Churnside Park. This is the tough one. Well, they only lost, Park they only lost to a point though against Churnside Park the week before. Oh, Sylvan's yeah. a loss. Uh, by they yep. they won't lose then. Surrey Park, a big game. Yep. Forest Hill, big game. Then they come home with two winnables, Nutter Wadding and Corden. Right, North so that last month they play Surrey Park, Brash, who they've beaten yep. last time out. They play Forest Hill, who they've lost to twice, but according to Ray, probably should have beaten them. And then they play Corden North and Nutter Wadding to finish. So Kilsyth could hit the finals with four wins in a row. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I... I think that last and that last game against Croydon North could be a big decider as well. But yeah, it's it's all sort of laid out for Kilsyth here to make the finals. Well, it is. It is. I, mean, I I think, um, but I think if they can get some momentum, and I agree with Gav, their trajectory is going the right way, and Forest Hills is going the wrong way. And uh, however, I think the 
uh, whilst that's, I, th- I think that's really going to be the only interest now in Division Four for the yeah, for you're the right. Rest it's a lovely segue into the one v two clash. We we keep saying that Dave Newlands has got one task for the rest of the year, Ray. It's to figure out how to beat Sylvan. And you whatever. said he had four chances. Well, he, well, he did because this is now his he's one. Down to three, and then, he's down to three. And I tell you what, whatever they did yesterday, it didn't work <laughs> because they lost two hundred and forty six to sixty seven. I don't know whether Sylvan listened to the weekend forecast. Thought we're going to stick it right Probably up these not. blokes. Yeah, they, they may not have. You know, Apple and Spotify. Have you can get it anywhere? Oh, of course um, they did. Eight goals to three in the first quarter, then eight goals to one, then 11 goals to four. The game opened up after halftime. Uh, and then 11 goals to two in the last. They trounced them in each quarter, Brash. Lee Kimpton, 11 goals. Billy Ratray was on report against Nutterwadi. He got off report and then come back and kicked 10 goals. Justin Ficarelli, quiet with three. Uh, Bo Ringer for Chanside Park, kicked three. So, yeah. Like I said, Sylvan, sort of, they sort of ruined it because I've been hyping up Division 4 being really tight this season and they've just... Can I, can I just, just emphasise Sylvan's dominance in quarter-by-quarter quarter differentials for, this, for the season? Yes, please. A big, a big gauge on how well your team going. Plus 265 in the first quarter, plus 269 in the second quarter, plus 321 in the third quarter, and plus 230 in the fourth quarter. So they, so they don't run out games well. No, they don't. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they don't. And the thing was yesterday, to me, in Division 4, this was the only result that mattered because I was wanting to see... At least close. I wanted chance I had to... I didn't think they'd win, but I was hoping yeah. they'd close the gap and, like like I said, build it up so they've got four hit outs. Oh, keep exactly. chipping away. Keep chipping away and then grand final with win, but they've gone the other way. I was hoping to see maybe um, a 28 goal to maybe 15 or 16. Yeah. And I would have thought... Well, yeah. Yeah, actually, to be fair, that would have been 46 goals in a game. You got 48, so you got the amount of goals right. It's just that yeah. Sylvan kicked 38 <laughs> of them. Yeah. So I would have liked to have seen another 10 Gave a Gav just squibbled up his nose there yeah. at the, side, yeah. the one side, kicking thirty eight. <laughs> yeah, they've but had fourteen it, shots a quarter. But in, in all yeah. honesty, in all honesty, um, I mean, look, we small ground, a, so we, oh, okay. we talked about uh, cold streams here and how they were dominant in Division Four the year that they won the and went went yeah. up. Uh, Sylvans is equally as um, impressive, uh, and in this sixteen competition. Like I said, I think the really, in in essence, the only interest now is is who who finishes fourth. in that fourth. And who finishes fourth, and then possibly Surrey Park. Surrey Park and Trentside have played really good games each time in terms of the margin. So the prelim final should it be the one we expect will be an exciting one. And then and then the only thing you can hope for Ray is that Sylvan trip up really. Well, that that's right. Look, well, look, and look for the Sylvan people listening. It's not that we don't like Sylvan. It's just that we don't no. want to. As a media team, we hate going to no, grand no. finals and knowing the no, result. No. But look, but all, again, plaud- all plaudits must it. go out to the Sylvan committee, whoever. Hey. I mean, we've always spoke about how hard it is to, in, in cricket and in football, how hard it is to get people to go up the mountain to, to play cricket or football. And Sylvan, you know, it's, it's way up and there. And red dirt. You way can't up the get back that of work. And, and, you know, and they've gone out and they've recruited and they've picked up players and they've gotten the results. So all credit must go to their, their, I think, their I think committee. I think what's helped, Ray, is the fact that Trent Martin going up there, oh, yeah. right, because of the fact that he had connections you know, through his Croydon days, yeah. I reckon that's really helped and him. And now he's got Justin Ficarilli there. That yeah. there's a there's a re- it's almost like a feeder club. Yeah. yeah and yeah. what happens a lot of these times when clubs come up a division into Division Three, other people who are maybe playing at Croydon or even Murrubark or the yeah. other Yarra Rangers yeah, clubs right. might yeah. go. You know what? I might. Yeah, yeah. Sylvan Div Three is not yeah. too bad. No. Yeah. And you got what? This is his third year up there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. twenty nineteen, what they 
just missed the finals yeah, on percent hit right. and their 19s won it. Yeah. They don't have 19s anymore. And then, yeah, last year they yeah. they were hitting form at the right time. And, yeah. and they were the second best side to Coldstream in that year too. Yeah. 20, yeah, so even though they would have – I think they finished the year in fifth, but they were the side that got closest to Coldstream. Yeah. They, yeah. they only lost yeah. by six goals. So yeah. Yeah. It's fair to yeah. say three years ago there was five good clubs. Coldstream and Sylvan were at a similar level. Fair Park, They're, East Build and yeah. Surrey Park. Yeah. So they were the last ones to graduate from this school mm. of yeah. we've been in a division too low. So they're the last one to come through. Mm. So there's something in that. And that they've got, been way better than the, the rest pro- of these. The problem will be, it, the only interesting thing is to sort of change, if Fair Park dropped down, will they rem- will they then become, like are we just going to keep seeing a sort of oh, one side coming down and being really good? No, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I, I'm looking at that Fair Park side now and looking them, if they went back down, would they be as dominant? I'm not so... I'm not 100% sure about that. Would they lose anybody, to the ageing players, Fair Park, if they went down? How old are the Kendry? How old are the Needs? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's an well, I think, I think they're sort of – I think they're loyal type players, mm. the Needs, and, and that. I think they'll always – I think they'll be there. I think it's probably – I just don't think that they've got the ta- – the, to be fair, Fair Park when they obviously Fair Park's premiership they, was so fantastic, but it wasn't like Coldies and Sylvans uh, no. pending premiership where they've, where they've torn sides apart. But they had two key forwards, Mullocks and Goff, mm. and they've lost them too, mm. right? You look at Sylvan and Coldstream constantly; they've had two goal kickers. Fair Park go back down mm. does make a difference. And, in that the, and the interesting thing is, if Sylvan can, so Coldstream lost Baton Leach, who kicked a lot of goals last year, has gone back to Montrose. Sylvan, yeah. if they were are to go up, which they likely will. Ficarelli's already committed. He's gone down as assistant coach. He wants to develop into a coach. Kimpton's yep. been there for a few years. He left Division 1. He doesn't want to go back. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy like Baton Leach that's going to be drawn in by a Gary Ayres to go back to Croydon or wherever it is. So that might be the thing. Because if Coldy had kept Baton Leach, might, maybe they are the clear second seed in Div 3. You never know. I just think at this particular stage, there are pl- the players at the back end of their career know that um, yeah, I, was, I still want to play and contribute to local football. Well, but look, I, at, look at James Charge. He was yeah. playing at Murubak last year and in yeah. and out and his body was taking a beating and now he's the best ruckman in a division. And that's right. And I can't. And you're right. And they can't make the commitment to play in the higher grades because there's, there's more expectation. But just to keep I, – I, I think right. equally it's equally as important to have these players still in the game because even their experience – is required around the club to to when they bring in the youth that these guys right are there to show the way, for, you know, on, and helps with the success um, the succession plan of the club. No, absolutely. It's um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting how that all pans out. And like I said, though, for, hopefully for us though, come grand final day, there'll, there'll be a bit of a, bit of a fight or something <laughs> like that. Just just to get excited about Gab, uh, gentlemen. Always fun. Sitting with you, with yeah. you three gents, and on the Eastland Monday Recovery, we thank Brendan Allen for joining us earlier in the show. Uh, always good to talk to him about Blackburn's big win over Vermont. Um, and we're back, of course, after that bye last weekend for all of us. So uh, until next time, uh, enjoy the footy, and we'll look forward to it. Important clear until the afternoon. So Haig won it down. Wignall got it. Can he get a handball away? He's going to burst away. He's going to run to 50. Low ball to the top of the goal square. McCormack! Oh, no. He put it in! Oh, he no. pulled it in. Oh, Wignall. He got through the Acosta-Harvey tackle. Oh, no. Took a few paces and then speared it to low to McCormack. He's been good all day, Billy. He started the day with an almost hanger. Kicked the, the check side for right in front of us. Billy. He, can make a, he can make a name for himself. Billy, don't be a hero. Oh, I think they want him to be one now, Brad. 15 metres out. Billy McCormack's kicked it. Oh, you're Not better. Not in front. 28.